What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome in to Season 2, Episode 17 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami Media. Rick and I are here to talk all the news from the shows this past week, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to let you know this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I did this open on the first try. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside my favorite Huckleberry, Huckleberry number one, RVB. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. It's at R of the Beated V. Rick Vickery back here again in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. The Jogger, you, you, you kind of you laid it out there. We're going to talk about the shows that have already taken place. But hell, we we are going to do that. But in doing so, we get to look forward to we still have a big week ahead of us uh, of so many shows from around the world of professional wrestling. You know, of course, the greatest Royal Rumble of all. We've got so much coming from New Japan and a lot of Ring of Honor uh, that me and you are really going to dive into. We got some big announcements coming up throughout this program. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to go over Raw and SmackDown. That's going to be segment one this week, and then segment two, we're going to kind of turn our attention to what's already happened in Japan, what's going to be happening in Japan for the rest of the week, as well as the two big Ring of Honor shows. Of course, the Saturday show will be on Honor Club. Man, I really wish we got the Friday show. Yeah, I was sitting here looking through the run and looking at the lineup. I know you you were kind of pushing this as we were talking Monday over in the locker room. If they would have flip-flopped this thing, really looking at it and studying it, man, I have to agree. I think I think they uh, they kind of missed the mark here. If you're down in the uh, West Palm area, go to both shows because I have a feeling both shows are going to be really, really good. Uh, Rick, let's, let's kick things off from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Of course, I'm talking about Monday Night Raw, episode 1300. Rick, this is the home of the hated St. Louis Blues. Of course, myself being a Chicago Blackhawks fan, I hate everything about the city of St. Louis, with the exception of me going to see 311 there later this summer. Uh, But this was obviously a blues crowd, because uh, right off the top of the show to Paul Heyman, they were absolutely completely rotten. And uh, I, I even took note of the six Roman Reigns fans who attended the show. Those six fans, I think they showed on camera three times during this Paul Heyman Roman Reigns thing, even tried to stand, start a Roman Reigns chant. They had them mic'd up, the whole kit and caboodle. These guys were obviously plants. I was going to say, you know, Big Ray turned me on to this thing. And there's plenty of video out there. All you got to do is go hit the Google machine. Where people are kind of hammering down on WWE for possibly setting some plants up here. Hey, and it's no, it comes as no big surprise. We've seen them do this in the past. This is nothing new. And, you know, just not WWE, but in the world of professional wrestling. But most recently, we've seen them do this with Ronda Rousey. Well, I, I guess this is where I really want to kick things off. Okay. So you have Roman Reigns, the chosen face of the company. And you have six people that you plant in attendance to cheer for Roman Reigns. By comparison, a little bit later in the show, 
The Braun Strowman hot tag, that place came freaking unglued. I'm not even a Strowman guy, but it is obvious to me now. Braun Strowman is your lead babyface, not Roman Reigns. Yeah, every time anything that Braun did, the place erupted. It, it, you know, just it just simply standing there, the people are going crazy for him. And as much heat maybe he gets for some of the activities that you know he's that he's partaken in or how he's shown himself on social media, they've embraced that. He's just he is what sells in professional wrestling. You know, you're seeing a little bit of a character come out of him. He's big, he's athletic, he's everything that that they should want in the, in their face of the company right now. And most importantly, he's motivated, which Roman Reigns just did not seem to be to me at all this week. Heyman comes out, cuts his promo, and you could tell Heyman is trying. Heyman is trying to fill in all the gaps. He's trying to explain why Roman Reigns is even getting this title shot in Saudi Arabia. And it's because Brock Lesnar wanted to finish off Roman Reigns? Really? That doesn't jive inside my mind whatsoever well i think if you're the promoter you know he is the advocate for no matter what the actual reasoning you know storyline reasoning is behind this thing and it could be argued you know i I made the point to you before that you know roman is the guy that has actually pushed has pushed brock like no one else so maybe they're thinking okay he took him right there right down to the wire at wrestlemania Let's give him one more opportunity on this grand stage to see what he has here. But, you know, if you're Heyman, you're, you're obviously going to twist it in favor of your client. Uh, you're you're going to want, hey, the champ wants this. He is the defending champ. He is the reason that everyone is tuning in each week. You're going to sell your man, and that's what he was doing here. I think the most important thing to come out of the, <clears throat> excuse me, to come out of the Paul Heyman promo was the usage of the term spoiler alert. At no point after he said spoiler alert did he say that Brock Lesnar is going to defeat Roman Reigns. Heyman is very particular about the words that he uses and the orders that he uses them in. Uh, I think, you know, going into this match at the Greatest Royal Rumble ever, it is kind of a split. You know, they have kind of created a bit of doubt in the fans' minds, especially after after WrestleMania. And now we're learning that we were pretty much swerved with all this contract talk. They've been able to create some doubt within the fans of who actually is going to go over here. And maybe they're doing so in the hopes that if when Roman does, it is somewhat of a surprise. Even if Brock retains, it's somewhat of a surprise. But it's going to be very telling who actually wins this match where maybe the direction of the company is headed. Who are you picking in this thing? I, I am really split. I am going with. I am going to stay with Brock Lesnar. I still think that they have their eye on breaking CM Punk's record for the longest reigning modern era champion. And, and in turn, there, uh, you know, I just got done recording a, a greatest Royal Rumble ever prediction show with uh, Ryan K. Bowman, our friend over at thegrillaposition.com, where you can find obviously find our show each and every week, and bigrayofonewrestling.com. Uh, we were doing the predictions here. I, I really see them going with Brock forward here. Those guys each were kind of on, this is going with Roman. Ryan brought up a great point, though, bringing Roman up here. If you really want that great PR movement, 
I mean, you're going you're gonna to go all over the globe with this. This is going to be cover story news, and you have that big photo of Roman sitting there holding up that championship. I'm with you. I'm sticking with Lesnar. I think Lesnar is going to retain in Saudi Arabia. I, I see both sides. Uh, it's, I'm not really going to be that, all that shocked, but I just think whoever wins is going to be very telling where the future, you know, the, the future direction of the company. Uh, then we've got a whole bunch of other stuff that happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, and most of this stuff, man, I got to say, for one week after the Superstar shakeup, this was a really bland five hours of television. Well, you know, we've already been talking about it quite a bit. You opened up with the big Universal Championship match that's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. But, you know, after that, I, I think every segment was segued with a greatest rumble ever uh, highlight video. But the problem is none of the talent was talking about it. Well, that's that's my biggest issue. You know, they're trying to get this thing over, but instead of actually doing business in the ring, you're using these video packages and they only use like three of them and they're just rotating them in and out. It's hard to get into the flow of the show or invest in anything. And that showed here, this was a very bland show. Yeah, the, there was one just glaring hole in this show that we'll talk about here in just a minute. Uh, let, let's kind of look at some of this other stuff, I guess. Elias versus Bobby Roode. I, I literally have no comment on this match other than please God turn Bobby Roode heel because this is just not working. I, I think you got, you, you're going two directions here with Bobby Roode. Either this is going to begin some frustration within him, maybe ignite that fire where we get the Bobby Roode from NXT uh, or, you know, the, the heel Bobby Roode for, from TNA days, or he is going to settle into that mid-card put-over guy. Where are you at with Elias? Man, this match, it, this one, it surprised me that he got the win here. Why didn't he pull the tights? Why does the heel sneak up behind the guy, roll him up, and not pull the tights? I think, you know, that was probably just a small detail that, that they missed on on their end. Hopefully someone had mentioned that to him when he got to the back. Uh, but, you know, after the last couple of weeks, I mean, I know he, you know, he was involved at WrestleMania in a segment with Undertaker and Cena, but I mean, he still was pretty much there for the squash moment. Uh, he hasn't really done anything since he was, he was pretty much completely just blown off by Renee young, you know, last week in, in a backstage segment. And then he comes out here and picks up this big win. It, it did surprise me a little bit. I almost think, you know, going back to the roads to WrestleMania, they really had no idea what they were going to do with Braun Strowman. They know that they had something positive with him, but they had no direction because they were focused on so many other directions. And I think that's almost here with Elias. They're like, we know we have a great act, but does it end with the character? Where are we going forward with him as, as an in-ring talent? Sorry, something just happened to my webcam. I and mean, I'm not exactly sure what. Oh, there it is. It's back. Okay. Um, <clears throat> as far as Elias goes, it, it almost felt like they flipped here. It was like Rude got all the heel heat for coming out and interrupting Elias's little walk with Elias thing. And then Elias doesn't cheat to win. It just it, it just seems stupid to me. This whole segment just is missing for me. Rude is not hitting on any level as a babyface. And Elias is a piss poor heel if that's what he's supposed to be. I mean, is he is his gimmick supposed to be that he's an annoying heel? Because the fans love this guy. Until the bell rings. Well, it, 
this is this is the issue across the board with so many talents. They're just it's bad casting. Uh, the fans want to get behind Elias. They like the act. They're down with it. They should be playing to that. Then on the other side, they think that, you know, and yes, they, they do love the glorious entrance and all that. But when you really look at the talent, he's just being misplaced here. He is so much better off as a villain. So much better off. God, all you got to do is watch when he lost the title in NXT. That whole million dollar man, Bobby Roode kind of thing where he's riding in limos, living in mansions. God, it just makes sense. This is just not working. Uh, then we have the Deleters of Worlds versus the Ascension. Not a whole lot of comment here. I absolutely expect the Leaders of Worlds to win the tag titles over in Saudi Arabia. Is that where you're at with it as well? Uh, yeah, it, you know, there's really not much to report on here. This was just to kind of get them out there a little more exposure before going over for the big match where uh, I think it's, you know, 99.9% that they're going over here. You know, quick thought, though, about Bobby Roode, just real quick. Do you think maybe it? You know, maybe we're completely missing it. Maybe the intent is not to, even if he turns heel, but to still keep him as kind of that mid-card placeholder. Because if you you were describing those characters right at the end of how he really pulled off, you know, almost that flair-esque, that million-dollar man, you know, he is better than everyone. If EC3 is not long for NXT, you know, maybe they really don't have any future plans for Bobby Roode. Because I think at this point, they're very similar, and I would invest in EC3 going forward. I could see that. Uh, the other thing I would invest in, as far as Bobby Roode is concerned, is James freaking Storm. Where is the cowboy? Just bring in the cowboy. Stick them together, put them against each other. Either or, it will work. Those two guys just have impeccable chemistry. If you're going to get anything out of either one, just start with that and go from there. Uh, I think he's so similar to EC3. He doesn't have much room to go as a singles. I have to agree with you 100%. The tag division is where he needs to be. And you talk about adding some great talent to either one of your tag divisions. Beer money versus AOP. Hell yeah. Sign me up. I could see that. Um, the leaders of worlds versus Ascension. Do you got you, anything that you want to say about this match? Cause it, it was like a three minute match. No, I mean, there's there's really nothing of note here. It's kind of why I jumped back to Rudy popped in my mind. You know, I think like like I was saying, you know, this is let's run them out there one more time. I like the finish though. I I, I like the uh, tandem finisher. Yeah, I, I did like that. You know, really, the only thing I could really think of during this match was it'd be nice if the Ascension could kind of get brought into the the woken broken universe, but. As I was listening to uh, you and Big Ray over at OneWrestling.com last night and doing your Raw and SmackDown reviews, Big Ray is convinced that Bray Wyatt is going to turn on Matt Hardy, and I'm not sure that that's the case anywhere in the immediate future. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, eventually it seems, you know, just the, the trends of, of current-day professional wrestling that, that partners are eventually going to turn on each other, but I hope it's much, much later than sooner. The Kevin and Sammy show, I, I really hope they put these guys into the tag division because I would rather see them in the tag division than doing this god-awful talk show. I was not a fan of this segment in any way, shape, or form. I love Kevin Owens on the microphone. Sammy Zayn has become one of the best annoying heels that I can remember in a very long time. I, I like Sammy Zayn, and I want to punch Sammy Zayn in the face. And then they bring out Kurt Angle, and this just did nothing for me. 
you know, overall, I'm just not, you know, outside of Ms. TV uh, on this current product, when they go with any of these other shows, it's an immediate turnoff for me. It just, it just screams lazy booking. It's right up there with a contract signing. Oh, yes. I cannot wait to talk about the contract and, signing. They're, and they're so lazy. They really, and I will give them a little bit of credit here. You know, as it seemed any, everything that they were doing towards the greatest rumble on this show was all presented through video. They actually did a little business in the ring trying to push that show, but it really wasn't effective to the point where I don't think it would convince anyone to overly invest in this upcoming event. So then later on in the show, of course, we, we end up with Cammy versus Lashley and Strowman. We might as well go ahead and talk about that while we're sitting here talking about uh, the, the Sammy and Kevin show. I also, you know what, as I'm thinking back to it, it's kind of interesting that it came out to Sammy Zayn's music instead of Owen's music. I did catch on to that. I didn't even have that in my notes here, but I, that, that's worth mentioning. I thought that was kind of odd. Well, you know, that's, I, I didn't pick up on that, but that's something to to maybe keep an eye out or an ear out for going forward. Or are they going to mix it up? You know, or are they eventually going to get some kind of hybrid? But hey, that's a good pickup, brother. Uh, so Cammy versus Lashley and Strowman. Um, for, for the first two hours or so of this show, I actually thought that the Miztourage was going to be the highlight of the show. And then I saw a little bit later on the moment of bliss and this match, uh, the highlight of this show to me was Braun Strowman laying out Kevin Owens with not one, but two shoulder tackles and then a drop kick from hell and Kevin Owens just playing dead for the rest of the match. I popped so hard. Owens goes flying off of those shoulder blocks. Fantastic stuff. The shoulder blocks, but then the crowd absolutely, absolutely loses it when he hits him with the, it was a T-Rex drop kick. Yes. It hits it with a T-Rex dropkick. The place goes insane, and and it was just an incredible demonstration of just how athletic Braun Strowman is, especially for a man his size. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I, I think it was that second shoulder block. I mean, the first one you kind of saw coming. When he jumps down off the apron, goes running around, lays out Kevin Owens. Then Owens starts standing up, and Strowman sees him and jumps down and goes and lays him out again with the most vicious-looking shoulder block that I will see in 2018, and it was all the way that Owens sold it. I mean, Jesus Christ, watching that, Braun Strowman should be playing in the NFL. That was ridiculous. But yeah, then the T-Rex dropkick, and Owens just playing dead for the rest of the match was just fantastic. Strowman hot tag was awesome. Uh, the only thing I really didn't like about this match and what I really wanted to focus on here was Bobby Lashley. What the hell are we doing with Bobby Lashley? You know, thank you. I, I was just going to ask you that question. For as, as over and as hot as Braun is, uh, it seems like you know Lashley was just on the completely opposite end of the spectrum there. It just seems, I mean, yes, he is an incredible athlete, an incredible look. He is everything that you want, but something's not connecting. I mean, just even from the entrance, there isn't that pop. There, there just isn't really that connect with him in the ring. Uh, and I think a lot of that is, is they just said, hey, we're, we're reintroducing this, this, great new, this great new toy, but they're not doing anything with it right now. There's no, yep. there's no reason for us to get behind him at this point. I hope that we're going to see – uh, a major, major shakeup in that, you know, coming out of this weekend. Uh, and I will say, you know, it's going to air before our show does. Uh, I didn't go in this direction. 
for the prediction for this match, uh, Ryan and Big Ray did. They brought up a pretty interesting point. If it came down to the final two in the 50-man rumble, these two, and that sets up some kind of program between these two going forward. I just put a microphone in Bobby Lashley's hand. I wonder if that's what they're worried about. Why should they be worried about that? Did you watch much of Lashley's work down at Impact? I understand that. I mean, he was in improving so much uh, over his, you know, especially his last year there. But he still showed that he, to really go to that next level, needed that mouthpiece when they brought in his coach from his from his MMA team. You know, that really took it to that next level there. You know, maybe they're worried about something like that. Well, here's an, here's another big thing. Are they even acknowledging uh, the success that this man has had? Within the world of MMA? No, which is I, just baffling to me. I don't understand well, it, that. It, it, almost rem- it almost kind of reminds me of when they told Jeff Hardy, welcome back, but you can't use the paint because we are because that's Ballard's thing. Yep. So now it's kind of like we can't have too many MMA people around here. That's Brock and Ronda's thing. Yeah, it just seems absolutely stupid to me. So un- unless you really utilize what makes this guy so special – What's going to separate him from the pack? I think he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. And don't team him with Braun Strowman. Because in order for the Strowman hot tag to work, Bobby Lashley has to sell his ass off. Which means Bobby Lashley has to get his ass kicked for half of the match. And you're just making Bobby Lashley look like a freaking pussy. I think going back, but they, they might have really missed the boat if you weren't going. I think everyone was was so excited for and possibly, you know, expecting that possible program with Brock Lesnar, which, you know, that seems to, we're not going to get anything like that right now. I almost wonder if they should have went the direction to build up Bobby as a, as a real positive role model and as a great, you know, a, a hardworking determined guy that people can be proud of and then put him in a program with say Samoa Joe. I would have liked to have seen that. Well, I mean, that would that, that would have been as close as you're going to get, you know, outside of Lashley and Lesnar to um, an MMA environment. I just don't understand how we can't find like 90 seconds for Bobby Lashley to just tell us why he's back. Give me a mission statement. Give me something I well, can it, buy into. And even if you're not as, as comfortable there with it, you have one of the greatest production crews, uh, production teams in the world. Put something together that highlights what and who he is. For God's sake, Sanity has gotten more promo time than Lashley, and they haven't even been on a show yet. Something wrong with that. Uh, Great vignettes, though, for Sanity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's talk about the Miz-Tourage, because I thought for sure they were going to steal this show. Between them going up to Rollins and them going up to Balor and trying to find some sort of new leader. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed that I have not gotten the Miztourage trying to join the fashion police force. Ooh, I didn't, I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me. That's gotta happen, right? Uh, Hey, what they, you actually could tie these together. You could have these guys maybe go on to these side little skits trying to join different individuals. Uh, say this goes on for maybe you don't want to overdo it. So let's say two weeks and they try to they try to uh, sell their services to say that that's five different individuals. And they're each time they're sporting their their T-shirts, 
this could open up an entire investigation though from the fashion police where you know they have the the photos and they go and file charges uh for for the you know the bad taste on behalf of the misturage tremendous tremendous no fashion police on this show Three hours, you can't find me 60 seconds for Deputy Dango and Tyler Breeze. Really? Well, you had, you had 25 minutes of rumble video, so. God damn it. After that big win over the bar, too, I must realize I have to lower my expectations. Well, it, it, you know, some other things I saw fans pointing out, and I thought it was pretty funny, is that you have the Mistarash who was supposed to be, you know, the, the villainous Stooges. Uh, but they're they're kind of getting like picked on and bullied by your babies and Rollins and Baylor. And isn't Baylor Club supposed to be for everyone? <laughs> everyone but you two. Everyone yeah. but you two. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, kind of killing the gimmick there. Um, speaking of killing the gimmick, this this was one of the biggest missed opportunities on the entire show to me. So on the commentary, they're trying like hell to put over that maybe there's tensions between Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, you know, leading up to the greatest rumble they, they, ever. They, did. they were putting over, can, can you really trust the other one? Yeah. You know, you got to have eyes in the back of your head. You've got this big match coming up. You guys have had some great wars before. This is going to be the biggest one that, that you've had to date. But then we get absolutely... Absolutely nothing. nothing. Instead, instead, they work so well together as a tag team that this morning on the Wednesday locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com, Andrew Bello already had a team name for him. He's stealing my gimmick. Team Stomp. Team Stomp. It it works between the coup de gras and the curb stomp. Hashtag Team Stomp. Bello quit stealing my gimmick. Next thing you know, he's going to be saying the F word every other word. What wasn't, uh, wasn't that like one of those like crazy dance routine shows stop? Yeah. It's actually a pretty dope, like, uh, well, uh, you know, I'm just about a trademark infringement here, you know? Well, you put the, the, the team in front of it, you know, and it's a team stomp, team stomp. I like that bastard uh then 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 let's talk about uh two teams that actually look like they are going to be in the tag team division and if i'm gonna give bellow hell i gotta give dolph ziggler and drew mcintyre hell too at the end of their little promo dolph ziggler says this is the show so i assume that going forward we will now refer to dolph ziggler and drew mcintyre simply as the show so you have titus worldwide taking on the show Rick, what do you think of the show? Well, you know, you just got rid of the bar. So now you bring in the show. But isn't this very similar to the gimmick that you and I pitched uh, or discussed for, for Ziggler around Rumble Time when he walked out uh, to bring some of that character that we knew with the real, the contract and the stipulations that went with that here to play? I, you know, we were not the showstopper that he was becoming what it's all about that he is the show uh so i think they lifted that from us a little bit there i think that might have been the single best line that dolph ziggler has ever uttered inside of a promo it's not about stealing the show this is the show that might have been the best thing dolph ziggler has ever said into a microphone in his wwe career well let me ask you you know not much to really talk about in the match uh you were putting over like in the 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 leader of worlds 
versus the Ascension, they, you know, when they combine their finishers, man, the, uh, the clay war into the zigzag. It's dope. Is awesome. It's dope. Um, yes, sir. I really want to hate this team, man. I really want to hate this team because I want Drew McIntyre to be taking out Roman Reigns. I don't want him in the tag division. That's my, that was my question for you. You know, that's all that we really had to talk about in the match. The bigger story is post-match when they get their hands on a microphone. I thought both individuals did an incredible job. Are are you coming around? Are are you are you picking this up now? Are you, are you buying in a little bit? I am, but there's one big problem with both of these guys. And the reason that I don't like Dolph Ziggler is because he just starts yelling for no apparent freaking reason. And now he's got Drew doing it. Just out of the middle of nowhere, Drew starts yelling at me. It's like, dude, just calm the fuck down. You won your match. Calm the fuck down. But as far as the content, spot on. That, that's why he was raising his voice there. He wants to make that stern point. He wants to hammer it home that they're they're here. They have a line. And that's probably the best part of this. You know, so many people, there was great debate last week, so much speculation about what kind of roles these two would play. It seems like they're coming in here as equals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is the right that is the right direction. Let these guys, if it's in the tag ranks, tear it up. If they happen to have a singles match, let them tear it up. Let them do whatever they want. I am loving this tandem. Yep, yep, very much so. Uh, then we have uh, the Chad Gable and Kurt Angle thing. The only thing I really took out of that is we are not getting an American Alpha reunion. That kind of made me sad. Yeah, you know what? I started thinking about that. My immediate thought went to, okay, you're blatantly telling me this. That means we'll have them back by SummerSlam. Oh, there is that. There is that. Uh, but then, but then, you know, just wonderful job. This, this wonderful positions that we have where we get to spend, you know, maybe a lot, maybe not, maybe not a whole lot more, but quite a bit more time, you know, thinking over all these little different aspects as we prepare for the different shows that we're doing each and every week. Uh, so we start developing these different creative plans in our minds. This kind of got something going with me for a, a, a big setup. You know, you had Chad Gable. He comes out here in his match against Jinder Mahal and picks up the huge upset. That kind of, uh, yeah, he went out there and proved himself to Kurt, who who took a big chance in bringing him over to give him an opportunity, even though you know they share a little bit of the same background. Ginger goes over to Saudi Arabia, brings the U.S. championship back to Raw, eventually ends up getting stunned once again. Gable becomes U.S. champ. A very jealous Jordan returns. And we have got fireworks between these two. Kurt Angle is stuck in the middle. That could be your your mid-card championship program running through the summer. Gable versus Jordan with Angle somehow involved as, as a guest referee, as an enforcer, or just really torn between the two. I like everything about that. Uh, there's only one aspect of it that I dislike, and, and I don't know if it's something that you necessarily have taken into account either. Jinder Mahal won the United States Championship at WrestleMania, right? Correct. And, and then Jeff Hardy won it last week. Yes. On Raw, and then you're going to have Jinder win it back Friday in Saudi Arabia, and then even if we do it at Backlash, Gable wins it there. 
suddenly the United States championship means about as much as the women's championship did two years ago when they were just playing hot potato with it. No, and what I, how I would really break that down. I'm not exactly sure the timetable for Jordan's return. I'm not saying you need Gable to come out and get that upset right away. Just at some point to really get you started towards a program to SummerSlam. I, I, I like the idea of it. I absolutely and, and, like the idea and, of it. And, and really looking at the roster, there's probably a handful of other talents that they could toss in that would be that might be better options into that that mid card uh, championship storyline there. But it's just a direction I could definitely see them going. You know, you, you get Kurt involved, you get Jordan, who is someone they are very hot on. Uh, you're giving Gable a great rub. You've got a great backstory. You've got something that seems like it could really build a lot of heat under. The one thing that I'm curious, and my question for you coming out of this match, does this elevate Gable to Jinder Mahal level, or does this lower Jinder Mahal to Chad Gable level? I think it probably, Gable stock definitely rises. And, and I don't think it really, I don't think it hinders Ginger all that much. That was my uh, big question. Does this lower Ginger Mahal? This obviously elevates Gable, but does this lower yeah. Ginger? I, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it does at all. It's kind of who he is, you know, these, these were two, he really wasn't prepared for the match against Hardy. Well, and that becomes the question is he loses to Jeff Hardy. He loses to Chad Gable. Let's go under my assumption that Jeff Hardy retains the United States championship in Saudi Arabia, which means that he beats Jinder Mahal again. That's three losses for Jinder in two weeks. Are we back to Jinder Mahal being a jobber? That's where my brain starts going. Uh, see, I think what, you know, but that superstar look and it points you brought up before, if you really want to get some of these other uh, your top babies over with without worrying about the fear of the crowd starting to back the villain. Jinder is one of those guys you want in that position. Uh, and he's still giving you that international flavor. I don't think they're going to, to demote him far down the line. I think this is more of a buildup. He just has suffered two big unexpected losses, which, which to me, adds more credence that he is going to go recapture that title over in Saudi Arabia. And in doing so, I think there's a way that you could see some kind of weird, not a full turn, but where he embraces that audience. Uh, he, he goes over, wins the United States championship, gets on the mic, cuts a promo where, you know, Western society, they didn't want us here. They're, they're not for individuals like you, but you know what? I know how that is. They're not for me either. I'm different from them, so they don't like me. We're all together in this. We're all together. I am U the United States champion. I did this for you. We are all United States champion or whatever. You don't try to just – the crowd will eat that up, but it's going to build more heat on him when he goes back to the regular touring schedule where you know they're doing mainly here, especially in the States and other areas of Western society. You know what? I That would be an interesting experiment just to see exactly what would happen. Because you are expecting that the Saudi fans are as frugal as the U.S. fans and that we can manipulate them into chanting USA whenever we want them to, whether it's right or not. I mean, we, we've talked about that before during Jinder's title raid that we basically proved him right. Everything he was saying, we absolutely ate it up and completely proved him right. 
it would be interesting to see if the Saudis would do the same thing. That, that would be an interesting experiment. Uh, the, the other thing that worries me about Jinder Mahal is what he did last week, which was his encounter with No Way Jose. But I mean, when, when you're going up against, you know, the likes of No Way Jose and Chad Gable, it kind of worries me a little bit. But so we have No Way Jose taking on Baron Corbin. Or not, because Baron Corbin decides that he doesn't want to fight No Way Jose with all of No Way Jose's conga line. I actually really enjoyed that Baron Corbin promo. Dirty Heel actually using his brain a little bit. What I did not like was No Way Jose being like, well, that's cool. Really? And then we get Baron Corbin jumping him on the ramp, getting a little bit of heat. I, I, I thought the segment was well done, except for the fact that No Way Jose was like, all right, that's cool, man. If you don't want to fight, I'll just go over here and dance some more. Uh, I think this is another case. Uh, no, no Way Jose, dead in the, dead upon arrival. I don't think I don't so. Think they have any, I, I don't, I don't think, think so. Uh, man, I, I don't think there's any connect here. The the memories of Adam Rose are still so fresh in the fans' minds. Well, you know what? If this, if this act is dead in the water, let's blame Booker T for even bringing up the Adam Rose thing. That should have been a five dollar face slap right there. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that he made mention to it, but uh, and it's partially it's partially because when I saw this was going down, I'll admit it, I kind of tuned out. Yep, but it's not meant for you. It's meant for the six-year-olds who love to dance to No Way Jose's music. I understand that. So if if they're still going to eat it up every time he comes out there, then yeah, he's just going to come out and this is going to continually happen to him. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I expect. That's pretty much what I expect. Uh, then we have, hands down, the highlight of the show for me, and that was the Alexa Bliss PSA, a moment of bliss. This thing had me popping left and uh, right. This this is probably right up there with probably the the best segment that we're going to get, or you know, the best happening. What we're going to talk about for over the, the two nights of programming from WWE this week. It's close. It's close because Joe had a really good promo on SmackDown. I, I, I this it's this close. was good. She sold this. She sold this so well. And Dude, I, her delivery know, I was money. I wasn't even thinking about the Joe thing. It's right up there, but I've got another one on SmackDown that might have stolen uh, the five hours of programming this week, but this was so good. You know, just uh, how she emoted herself uh, and it just putting herself over. You know, I was going to share this with this homeless lady and Nia just snatched it from her hands and the, the look of pure horror on her face is Nia scarfed down this burrito, burrito board. You know, whatever. Just tremendous stuff. Tremendous stuff. And props to whoever wrote that, too. And whoever produced it. Because that was really well done. Really well done. And her delivery was just dead on. Hey, man, I, I know you're you're not you're not in favor of it right now. You're not buying into it. But, hey, she had on uh, that T-shirt. She's usually more revealing than that. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Uh, then, then we have the 10-woman tag, of course, is what you're uh, referencing. Alexa never even getting into the match, wearing a T-shirt the whole time. We had a report that she uh, had some cosmetic surgery going on. Rick seems to think that she got some new gimmicks. I think they're the same gimmicks, and she had something else done. Either way, she looks like a million bucks, right? I mean, it, it's Alexa Bliss. But this 10-woman tag match was absolutely worthless, it went for about 15 minutes too long, and I think it only ran about 12 minutes. And the entire thing was just a 10-woman match 
just to set up Rousey versus Mickey. Yeah, I really loved how they put this over, like how they were selling this. Last week, we gave you this this monumental 10-man between the, for the men. Now it's the women's turn, the showcase here in the main event. Uh, there really was nothing, nothing of substance to come out of this thing. You know, the big spot with Nia doing the cannonball splash off of the apron onto the, you know, the entire, uh, all the participants. Uh, poor execution, bad timing. It looked terrible. Uh, but then, like you said, this was all a setup. You know, Mickey is able, you know, to dodge the bullet here. She escapes uh, and then sets up the business with Rhonda. And, and once again, continuing to run Rhonda out in spots like this, you are doing her no favors. You know, she had that great match at WrestleMania. She was in there. She was in there working with some of the very best in the industry. They were going to protect her. They let her shine. Running her out here like this continues to expose her weaknesses. Was there really anything that she did overly right here? No. Um, and you know what? I, I've, I'm i a big Joan Jett fan. I really like Joan Jett. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, great freaking band. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Change that damn music. And I, I, I think I figured out what it is that I dislike about the music. It's the tempo of the music as Rhonda walks to the tempo of the music with that scowl on her face, she looks like the fucking Terminator. She is like the female Terminator walking to the ring. That's how goddamn robotic she looks. And it's just the tempo of that music. At least a little bit here. At least the smiling has, has kind of faded a little bit. We're not getting so much mark out Rhonda as now. Is it more that she is maybe focusing more on the craft? I'm very interested to hear how those Rousey versus Mickey James matches go over in the UK. Well, I guess one positive coming out of this, you know, Mickey, Mickey James is just, she's just absolutely phenomenal at what she does. Uh, she's arguably the very best. And I'll even, I, I could, I could see, entertain an argument to give her a nod, even over Shar Shar. She is so good at what she does. So at least they are, you know, I just kind of got on them about, putting Ronda in positions to fail. At least when it comes to who she, it looks like she's going to be working with going forward. She's getting some very good, some very good options there in Mickey James and Natalia. Yeah. I think, I think the WWE did a really nice job of kind of building that raw women's roster so that you have plenty of veteran talent to work with Rousey and you have plenty of young talent to work other programs. Uh, one of the other programs, of course, being Sasha and Bailey. This is typically where I would throw to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex, but I'm not going to because they did absolutely nothing on this show. There was no development of the Sasha and Bailey storyline other than like a five second, like stare down. Yeah, we had that, that little bit of that awkward moment between them as Natalia had just finished trying to rally the troops there. I, I think it's just you're probably going to see a lot of stop and goes with this program because, as you said, you know, they have really done a great job of crafting this division to take care of their priorities. And, you know, unfortunately for the, the Bailey and Sasha fans, this is not really a top priority. This is down, you know, fourth or fifth. And then when you actually – you throw that into the into the deck against everything you have going on with the men. You have two big events that you're trying to gear up for right now. Unfortunately for the, the, those fans, just there's not enough uh, beats in the box. 
with the way that the women's division is built on Monday Night Raw, I'm also more and more liking the call-up of Ember Moon. I think she is absolutely going to be a player on Monday Night Raw, even though she didn't do much on Raw this week. I The way that they've built that division, I think she is actually going to be a feature piece, and I was afraid that she was going to get lost in the shuffle there. I was with you 100%. Wasn't really sure you know, how long her run would continue. I, I, obviously, she has that great, u- unique look. She is very talented. But how long was it going to be before she got lost in the shuffle? You know, right now, I think they're trying to just uh, – they're trying to find their way with their top two programs. Uh, then you will see Moon kind of settle into you know that third-tier role right there. So let's uh, move over to SmackDown Live, which I believe came to us from Louisville, Kentucky. Good old yes, corny, corny country down there. And speaking of corny, boy, did we have a corny show here. Talk about two hours of basically throwaway television. Uh, let, let's kick things off with Miz TV. Of course, the big tease that we're going to get Daniel Bryan and the Miz finally face-to-face. Miz cuts a good promo. Bryan doesn't come out. We end up with big casts on Miz TV. And I think everybody immediately thought, yep, he's wearing a suit. He's aligned with The Miz, and he gets in the ring, and Big Cass does his part in carrying about a 10 to 15-minute talking segment. Did did Big Cass, like, take acting lessons while he was gone? I was going to say, you know, from what we remember of Big Cass, uh, I mean, this is, I don't even know how you describe this turnaround. This was tremendous stuff out of Big Cass right here. I thought he really held his own. Miz, of course, elevates any segment that he's in. But Big Cass really holding his own here. Uh, Then, of course, we go backstage. We see Daniel Bryan laid out. And then we come to find out that, oh, it was just Big Cass that laid him out. Yeah. Question for you here. Would it have been more effective to get some heat on Big Cass had they had shown us beforehand that he had taken out Daniel Bryan? See, I thought they were just going to do some kind of a mystery here as to who took out Bryan. Right. You know, now knowing what we know where Daniel Bryan just comes out and says, I don't know what kind of seven footer has to attack anybody. Uh, you know, why we were, why we were still in that speculating phase. I was really hoping it had been like Samoa Joe or something. That was exactly where my brain went to. It was like, cause yeah, immediately we're all going to think that was supposed to be big cast. But it's like, okay, now what if they give us a little twist here and it ended up that it was Samoa Joe. And I even had it all formulated in my mind, man. Yeah, but they immediately, you know, as soon as Brian comes on, he comes out of the trainer's office, they kind of go ahead and stooge off who the attacker was. So it got me thinking, you know, a lot of people, if they would have actually seen Cass do that and then come out and cut that promo, would that have gotten him, you know, much more heat? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, you know what? He, he looks sharp. I still think that this is all a rouge and we are eventually going to, we're actually going to get that alliance between big Cass and the Miz. I think so too, especially with the, the, the suit and tie look on big Cass. Can we keep, please get him a little bit longer suit coat though on the arms there for, it looked like he was wearing three quarter sleeves there every time he would move his arms. So oh, somebody dude. get the, uh, someone get the, uh, the Louisville, um, men's warehouse on the line, you know, getting, getting helped out there, but somebody gets Sasha's husband on that. Hey, it, it, it looked, it looked a lot better than the cut up t-shirt in the trunks look that, you know, we're so familiar with. Yeah. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Then we get this 
well, I guess, well, we'll call this the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. Rick, where are you at with the Iconics? Well, I was going to say, you know, get some, get some, somebody get Asuka Kleenex. She is having a terrible April. Oh, we'll talk about Asuka here in a second. Uh, the Iconics, you know, I was really big on them making the move from NXT. I was never really big on them in NXT, but I saw the potential for the transition to either Raw or SmackDown. They they scream sports entertainment. It, it was almost the same makings of what we had with Elias. Yeah, I completely and, agree. As I am seeing it now, uh, for me, the jury is still out. Uh, there's something just not connecting, especially on this episode. It seemed like they they were taking the little things that were working in the previous week's promos, and they tried to do entirely too much, entirely too scripted here. Overexposed. And this is going to be a theme throughout the Jersey Mike segment. Overexposed. I, I think they're probably best with the mic on that short walk to the ring. Do not give them an extended period once they get in there. And don't do it every week. And it doesn't need to go on and on and on. Look at the talent roster for SmackDown Live. Nobody needs to be cutting 15-minute promos. Nobody needs to be cutting 10-minute promos. I'm okay. Well, I, I can see your argument there, but if you're going to, if you if you do feel the need to have extended promos, these are not the the personalities to be pulling that off. No, this is this is like a two and a half minute promo. You you have the Miz and Samoa Joe, who are, are arguably the two best talkers in your company. If you need something done, let them do it. Yeah. Instead, you know, Joe gets like a 60 second promo later, but you know, between the Iconics and Carmella, I think they got about 25 minutes of promo time, which is a quarter of the freaking show. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about featuring the women's division, but can they do something other than fucking talk? Good God. And that's the problem with the Iconics is once the bell rings, boy, then there's a real problem there. Especially when you're in the ring against two talents like Becky Lynch and Asuka. Well, I think the the bigger problem is we've seen it. We saw it last week with um, with Billy Kay and Charlotte. Terrible match. Uh, nothing really to talk about in this match. If you've got Becky, Asuka, and Charlotte, and they can't even get half a decent match out of them, that's that's something that you should be concerned about. Speaking of concerned about. I know that you were on the Shar uh, Shar train at WrestleMania because Charlotte, of course, is your girl. But do you see what I was saying now? Asuka is just everybody else now. Well, no, here's here's the problem. That's their that was their decision. She still could have lost that match. I still believe that Charlotte was the right choice to win that match. It's that first big moment there. It's it's there at WrestleMania. They're, over any other show, that one is going to stand the test of time. It was the right call. Charlotte is bigger money for the company going forward than Asuka is. The problem now lies on Creative, who it seems that she is in a very, very much in danger 
of falling into 50-50 booking. And at that point, she's she's better off gone than just being like some kind of exotic character for you. I said on the locker room the day after WrestleMania, might as well send her packing back to Japan. Asuka is done. And that sucks. Well, I think this, you know, the scariest part going into this thing we talked about in the locker room, and I was able to talk about on our live preview over in the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook, which uh, out there, anyone listening, invite you to go over and join the group and join me before every every Raw, every SmackDown, every big event. We do a little live preview, just kind of run through the matches, touch up on the biggest news. But Becky Lynch was in this match to take the fall. Yep. Yep. And Asuka is undefeated for two and a half years. And can't win a match in the month of April. Tremendous stuff. Tremendous stuff. I mean, even the Charlotte win over Asuka, like the breaking of the streak, for the way that they've handled Asuka since then, just doesn't feel like it was nearly as important. It, it, I think that, you know, that lies on creative. There is a yeah, way that, absolutely. You, that you could have kept her at the level she was at without any kind of drop off. And uh, you know, it seems like in their minds, it was like, okay, let's just get her out of sight for a little bit. That, that doesn't work. You address the loss, let her know that, that she is much more than the streak and she is ready to start over again. You know, it's not the same as like when Goldberg lost his, that's all he was. Oscar is a great talent inside the ring. I would have had her come out and take the women's title from Nia Jax the Monday after WrestleMania. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but you know what? Kane has only been world champion for about 22 hours in his entire career because he's a freaking monster. You could have completely rebuilt Asuka within 22 hours. Just had well, her and come you, out and you beat had, the shit out of Nia. You had the groundwork. You had that groundwork because she had, be, she had been beating up Nia for an entire month before that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I think now what you, which is almost a must for next week is that Oscar needs to come out and just decimate the iconics on her own. Yep. Both of them. Just take them both out. Yeah. Uh, somehow. I don't know what kind of move you want to use to make them both tap at the same time. As far as the iconics go, just to go back just a little bit, Billy Kay's in ring work. Isn't bothering me, which is weird. Cause I always thought Peyton was the better of the two in NXT, but Peyton Royce just seems lost to me when she's in that ring right now. I don't know what the it, hell it is. It, it almost seems like, and I, you know, they were never over that overly that impressive in NXT. And it was usually when they did shine, it was because it was multi-women matches. You know, they never really stood out and, you know, straight up one-on-one bouts. Uh, but it seems like things might be moving faster for them right now. And they're not up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. Some, there's some kind of disconnect there. Uh, let, let, let's go ahead and uh, keep going inside of the Jersey Mike segment. And this is really... I don't know a nicer, more politically correct way to phrase this, but Naomi's ass outsmarts the Bludgeon Brothers. That's really hey, what, what happened here. And I, I can't blame the Bludgeon Brothers, but that was really the story of the match. I, 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 am, I am going to use this line for the final time. I've already said it on two shows, but you know, Naomi, she is a true asset to the company. Well played. And for me, for me, Russo that, clap on that one. That was the MVP moment of Monday and Tuesday. I'm sorry. Uh, that is what really stands out to me over these five hours that essentially were just a info commercial. I, I, I love this moment here. And, and I thought it was somewhat decent creative to try to, you know, give the Uso some kind of edge. So it just wasn't, I just, 
frankly, just manslaughter. Yeah, but you know what the problem with this is? It just overexposes, man, because this is one of those WWE problems that just drives me insane. As soon as the music hits, everybody has to stop doing what you're doing and immediately look at the stage. Like, why would the Bludgeon Brothers not just continue to bludgeon even though Naomi's music is playing? It just doesn't make any sense. Hold on, hold on. I, I completely agree with you on that. Usually. I usually I would completely agree with you. But did you see she was overworking that entrance? I think no matter what I was doing, I, I would have just froze. Yeah, but the problem is they did it again on this show, which was the contract signing between your precious freaking okay, Shar Shar okay. and Carmella. I'll give it to you. Okay, there. That's the overplayed WWE. During the, the Bludgeon Brothers match, Naomi comes out working it like that. You stop what the hell you're doing and give her your full attention. It almost became so predictable that I felt like Jeff Hardy was ribbing the company when Jeff Hardy came out later and just stopped and turned back and looked at the entrance because he expected Randy Orton to come walking out. And oh, then when they, they hit Randy's music, he was like, yep, there he is. Yeah, but they did that last week with Randy. Yeah, I know, but it's just ridiculous. Like, you can't even continue to walk when somebody else's music hits. It, and it's just, it's a WWE problem. You know, as soon as the music hits, oh, everybody stop talking. Everybody turn and look at the stage. And you're that, perfectly fine, marked markers. It's fine, but it makes, it, makes 100, it makes so much sense. 100% sense when Naomi did it. You know, but this is one of those things, like, that I loved about CM Punk going way back in the day now, or at least it feels like it when Hunter's music would hit and punk goes, Oh, look, it's time to play the game. Stupid little shit like that pops people because you're just making fun of the stupidity going on here. It ranks right up there with people on their phones. Thankfully, no page or Shane McMahon that I saw on this show. Uh, so let's talk about this terrible contract signing Carmela and Charlotte. I just think Carmella is terrible. Rick, where are you at with it? I'm still okay with her. I, I, I'm enjoying her character. She she is whiny enough. She hits the spots when she needs to. She knows how to flaunt it. I did think this, though. This, as you're saying, we are tight for time here. And it just goes on. This was taken. On. And it wasn't. Okay, maybe the first time you were getting a little bit of heat from it. Uh, but then the second time it was like okay, we know this is getting old. Get on with the show. And especially because you have this happening right in the middle of a contract signing. Everybody that's ever watched professional wrestling knows what's going to happen. Just get out there, get in the ring, flip the table over, and get it over with. Well, and then even after Charlotte comes out, Charlotte looking great in her entrance, by the way. I did enjoy the fact that she didn't come out and do her typical posing. It was all freaking business looking like bernard the business bear on her way down to the ring there's some fire to go with that flair you know she she has focused she knows that her championship was stolen from her and now she's got her eye on the prize she's gonna make carmella pay she sits down she's ready to do this bullshit and then carmella just proceeds to run around like my goddamn four-year-old seriously just sit the fuck down inside the goddamn paper and it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, dude, this is only a two-hour show. There is not time for this bullshit. 
I'm I'm so over Carmella at this point. So over it. Her with the title already making me sick. I, I and it hasn't even I, been I a month. She's just in a she is in a transition spot so they can move some other stories with keeping some of these major players away from each other at the time until they can get to a hotter part of the year. So we can get past money in the bank and start putting our attention towards SummerSlam. She's she's just a placeholder right you now. I, I think she's put up fine with two in more room. months of this bullshit. You're expecting this to go until money in the bank? Ah, uh, somewhere around there. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, God, and I was going to try to not even swear on this show, but if I got to put up with Carmella's bullshit what, for another were you two plan- months. Uh, where were you going to plan on starting that? Because you aren't even cussing for the whole hour we've been at this thing. Oh, God damn it. So there's your Jersey Mike segment. God. I might have to quit doing the Jersey Mike segment if I'm going to have to put up with Carmella's bullshit for two months. So let's talk about Shelton Benjamin versus Jeff, I mean, Randy Orton. Um. Are we ending up with a triple threat scenario here again for the U.S. title? Are we setting up Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton versus Shelton Benjamin? Or is Shelton just kind of there? I think he's there right now just to try to move some things along. Uh, they, they might keep him in this program. I just don't. And I, I, I kind of hope I'm wrong because he's such an incredible in-ring talent. But I just don't see them doing. If anything, he is here just so they have a cop out between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it too. Of course, but, I mean, how excited how excited can we really get about Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton? I mean, you know, if this was you know fifteen years ago, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm still working. I am still. Does adding the- Shelton Benjamin into the equation really help? Hey, I will tell you, they did they did pay some nice lip service to uh, all these guys being in OVW. Yeah, they did do that. They did do that. Sunil Singh shows up out of the crowd. Provides the distraction. We we already talked about the gender Mahal thing. What what did you have any opinion on the Singh brothers? Is this the Singh brother that was hurt? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, because I, mean, I can't tell wow. them apart. They're almost like the Usos to me. Wow, that is racist. What that I can't tell twins apart? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't know which is which. Uh, I I. I've, you know what, really, at, at glance, because I was kind of, I was taking some notes, prepping for the, the different shows to review here. Uh, when I saw the Lucha mask, I immediately kind of perked up and was hoping that it was Almas. And then I realized the stature of the gentleman and immediately know who it was. What did you think of the uh, Almas Insanity vignettes? I know you, you said earlier that you liked the Sanity one. What did you think of the Almas one? Uh, both are great. Uh, I'm excited just to get them in action. I'm I'm afraid Almas is just not going to make it. I'm just afraid he's not going to make it, but I could probably do an hour on that too. Me and Bello had a real nice conversation about that. Uh, let's, let's talk about the bar a little bit. It seems that the bar has found an escape hatch from SmackDown Live. We now know that if the bar would happen to defeat the deleters of worlds in Saudi Arabia, they will go back to Raw, but I have that at a 0% chance. Yeah, I think that was something that they they just tossed in there to maybe build a a little bit of of doubt with the fans of who's going to go over here. Then we have Samoa Joe doing what Samoa Joe does. Samoa Joe cut the go-home promo for the greatest rumble ever. Samoa Joe just cut Roman Reigns' promo for him. 
if anything was going to excite me about this show, it would have been the Samoa Joe promo. Uh, he has got me fully on board with him bringing the Intercontinental Championship back to SmackDown. Uh, it's kind of the main drive. It's the driving reason behind why I went to shake up with the shake up on this on with the mid card championships. Uh, I want to see Joe do exactly what he said he's going to do, and it's not that he it's not that he necessarily needs gold. He's just someone I think would look spectacular with it. He's one of those cases where the man makes the title, uh, and this this would be something something very special. Samoa Joe is doing such a good job right now. I would almost consider turning Samoa Joe into Austin Aries. Just give Samoa Joe all the belts. Have him win the Intercontinental, then have him win the Universal, and then have him go after AJ Styles and win the WWE Championship, and then, you know, he might as well choke out Jeff Hardy and take the U.S. title. Just have Joe take all the belts. Be like, I'm better than every one of you motherfuckers. I already blew the fucking gimmick now, so hell, why, why not? I'm better than all you motherfuckers. Just give Joe all the belts because he deserves all the belts. Well, you said, I mean, what was, what was his promo time? It was no more. What was it? It was, was maybe it 60 seconds, maybe 60, 60 seconds. seconds. And that's all he needed to sell you on a ladder match at the greatest Royal Rumble ever. And then he continues to sell you on what they're barely even met. Well, they're mentioning it through the women's division, but he even sells you on backlash. Yep. Yep. And and he sold you on Brock Lesnar pummeling Roman Reigns again. He even promoted that match in 60 seconds. But by all means, let's have Carmella talk on a microphone for 15 fucking minutes. Let's talk about uh, Nakamura Day taking on the uh, newly reunited Styles Club. Uh, what did you think of the new uh, Nakamura entrance music? There, there, this seems to be a bit polarizing. Yeah, this is getting some heat, and that's exactly what it's designed to do. Uh, and I, I really like that they actually put over why the change. Yeah, love that. You know, they, 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 they saw, hey, you know what? He doesn't want you singing along with him. He doesn't want your support anymore. I, I, I thought that was a nice little touch, something that they, they usually just completely miss on. You like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, it's okay with me, and I, I think it's, it's actually growing on me a little bit more because I see how much that it is irritating other people. I dig it. I dig it. I think it was a pretty damn dope track. I oh, really it's, like it. It's it's got it's got big ray rays and all kinds of help. No, he's gonna love it when I go and I underlay this entire portion of the show with Nakamura's new entrance music then for me. Uh, what, what, what about the match, though? I mean, not really much to take from this thing. Uh, I guess more of the, the post-match story, right? 
yeah, I it, it's just arm to balls, you know. I mean, spoiler alert: AJ Styles is going to hit Shinsuke Nakamura in the balls to retain the WWE Championship in Saudi Arabia. He doesn't even care if he gets disqualified; he still re- he still retains the title. I was going to say, you know, this program it's just heating up. It's not even at its boiling point yet. You, this match in Saudi Arabia, it has to end in in some kind of confusion, correct? Because, I mean, you can't have Styles go over clean again. It's either going to end up, well, he's not going to go over clean. He is either going to hit Shinsuke Nakamura in the balls while the referee is distracted and then pin Shinsuke Nakamura, or what I would do, I would just straight up have him hit Shinsuke Nakamura in the balls and get disqualified. So you're going you're gonna to let your baby do that? Absolutely. With the number of times that Shinsuke Nakamura has hit AJ Styles in the balls, wouldn't you want kind of to take that high road to say, Hey, I, I don't need to, I don't have to lower myself to, to your low life tactics here. I can beat you as the man that I am as I did at WrestleMania. Okay. Wait, but you like sh- what Charlotte did during the contract signing, grabbing the heel by the face and ramming it into a table and then flipping it over on top of her. Carmella had it coming. Shinsuke's got it coming. I have absolutely no problem with the heel finally getting their comeuppance. Do you think there's any uh, any chance that they do a, a swap here? None. None. I think the only title that is going to change hands is the one that is vacant right now. You know why? Because it's the greatest house show ever. Matt, you're just mad that they don't put these these kinds of shows on in Iowa for you. They do. They do. They do Intercontinental Championship matches and WWE Championship matches. Guess what? Nobody fucking cares because it's at a house show. No, 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 no. Look at this lineup. This card could rival any of the biggest cards throughout the year. This show is so important that neither John Cena or Triple H showed up to promote it. That's how important this show is. Even though they're fighting each other. It's already set. They're, They're fine. They don't need to be there for that. So let's go ahead and throw it over to the musical break. They're probably break. on their way there now. Let's go ahead and throw it over to the musical break. Get out of this damn WWE stuff. And when we come back, we'll talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling, The Road to Dantaku, as well as Ring of Honor's Bound by Honor. And yes, we're even going to talk just a little bit, just a little bit of Impact Wrestling. We'll be right back. She said she needed a break. A little time to think But then she went to Cleveland With some guy named Leland That she met at the bank There's nothing wrong with Ohio Except the snow and the rain I really like Drew Carey And I'd love to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame So when you're done Doing whatever And when you're through Doing whoever Come back to Texas It's just not the same since you went away Before you lose your accent And forget all about the Lone Star State There's a seat for you at the rodeo And I've got every slow dance safe Besides the Mexican food sucks northern here anyway I think I made a mistake 
went to make a deposit Then she cleaned out her closet Guess I'll sit here and wait For her to come back home It shouldn't take very long I'll bet she misses the sunrise And misses bed fruit pies But I could be wrong So when you're done Doing whatever And when you're through Doing whoever You know Denton County will be Texas It's just not the same Since you went away I bet you missed your exit And drove right on through The Lone Star State There's a seat for you At the rodeo And I've got every slow dance save Besides the Mexican Food sucks Northern here anyway Troy Aikman Wants you back Willie Nelson wants you back NASA wants you back And the Bush twins want you back Pantera wants you back And Bluebell wants you back I got a premonition I'm taking a petition And the whole state's gonna Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store and download the 12-week resistance band training program. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. You're listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RDV. So that was a word from our boy Stevie Richards. Of course, we all know that Ben Hameen and Stevie Richards could be anybody in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but we're going to talk a little bit of New Japan Pro Wrestling anyway, and I'm going to see if I can't get uh, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, to give me 100 bucks. Did you see that tweet he put out the other day? 
Oh, I did. Oh, man. All right. Bring me up to speed or just refresh my memory. He he basically had put out a tweet that uh, Los and Gobernables isn't nearly as over as the Bullet Club and how Daryl is their most over member and nobody can even okay. say it. I, I, I saw it was a little bit of an exchange. I think I only saw like part of it. Yeah. Cody just being a dick. There's a big uh, Bullet Club versus LIJ match coming up. I saw that the other day. It's been announced for uh, War of the Worlds, I believe it is, for Ring of Honor. That's going to be their main event is uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. That's a hundred bucks, Mr. Mister Rhodes, uh, taking on the Bullet Club. Uh, let's talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and the road to Dantaku. Uh, just a, a little bit of an update here because we have had a couple of uh, big championship matches go down. Uh, we're going to start with night eight. The team of Suzuki-Goon, El Desperado, and Kanemaru retain their IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles over Los Ingobernables de Hapon, that'll be $100, Mr. Rhodes, team of Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi. It was a good match. This this IWGP junior tag division, ever since the Bucks left, just kind of fallen flat for me. I was going to say that it really doesn't have that standout pairing. Uh, and, and there's some great talent within the division, but it's just like the star power is gone. Yeah, even even if Show and Yo were running around with those tag titles, it would feel better to me. I am just not into El Desperado or Kanemaru. Neither one just does a whole lot for me. So, do you think it's something as simple as just switching up who's actually representing the division, or is there something you would do with a, a more of a direction overall to try to get some fire under it? Well, I, I just feel like if you, if you're gonna do El Desperado and Kanemaru as the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. Suzuki Goon needs to be feuding with someone and like Suzuki is kind of feuding with Naito right now over the intercontinental title. They're, they're, they're trying to do killer elite squad versus Sonata and evil. The, but when you get down to the junior level, like Bushi just feels so far down the card at this point, like at wrestle kingdom, Bushi was in the legends rumble for God's sake. And it's just, it feels like something for Hiromu to do to keep him away from Will Ospreay. So it's so, so pretty much at this point, it's just filler and it's kind of just dragging everything down. Yeah. Re- really need Sho and Yo to, to, to go back and reclaim those titles. Uh, then, then let's move on to uh, night nine. That was really the only big match on night eight. Night nine, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Rick, this was a great match. Jay White defending his IWGP United States championship over David Finley. Wow. I did not expect this at all, but this match was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say, I know going in, you were, you were rather down on this thing, you know, not you understood the, the real backstory, but there wasn't so much, too much build to reignite this feud between these two. Uh, do you, so is this kind of just like a one-off situation? Will he be moving on now, or are we going to maybe possibly get a series here? Well, I expected that after the match, we were going to see somebody come out and challenge Jay White. I, I don't expect – this was a clean finish. Jay White just plain beat David Finley. So I don't expect that Finley will be getting a rematch anytime soon. I expected another challenger to come out and challenge Jay White here, but instead – Well, that has pretty much been the, the story with him so far. He, you know – you kind of you're in doubt if he's going. To, if this is going to be the time that maybe they go in a different direction with with that championship. But 
I mean, he's been putting people down clean, and then that a challenger has been emerging right away. Well, that's kind of the New Japan style uh, to begin with. Uh, and But rather than another opponent coming out and setting up another IWGP US Championship match, Jay White says, who's next? I don't know. I'll be keeping an eye on Tanahashi versus Okada. And either way, they will bleed with the switchblade. It sounds like Jay White is going to go after the IWGP Heavyweight Championship here. Wow. I mean, they, they just continue to... I mean, the sky's the limit with this kid in their eyes. Evidently, I am just not feeling the character. Even in this match, the match itself, absolutely fantastic. I'll put it over to the moon. But as far as the character of Switchblade, just does nothing for me. Really wanted to see Sammy Callahan with that gimmick. He could have made that gimmick work. Jay White just fallen short. Also recommended watching on this show. Tomohiro Ishii and Hanare just put on a freaking slugfest. I, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that I'm putting over a Tomohiro Ishii match, but Hanare really impressed me here. Really impressed me. Ishii just, that guy is working at a different level right now. And for some reason, it doesn't seem like the New Japan booking team really gets it. Oh, so kind of where you, you think they're they're holding him back here? He's he's almost like the New Japan version of Rusev at this point. As far as like one of those cases where you know fly too high on your own will snip you, you know, snip your wings. A case, little or? bit, a little bit, but it's it's weird too because I feel like Ishii is way more over in the United States than he is in Japan which is a kind of an odd dynamic for a Japanese talent to begin with. Well, I, you know, I know like in, it's, 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 it's that way also like in the UK when they're doing little bits over there, I know, is it all Western society? Cause I know here in the States, I mean, he is over big time and he is beloved here. Well, and of course Ishii is running around currently with the British heavyweight championship. That's, that's why I was going to ask you though. They must be thinking something of him cause he did just claim that thing over WrestleMania week. Yeah. But it seems like over in Japan, he's just like, you know, never open weight title level. They just have no desire to elevate Ishii into that main event kind of spot. It's very, very odd to me. Very odd. The only other thing really going on over the course of night eight and night nine has been Minoru Suzuki just beating the ever-loving piss out of Tetsuya Naito. I'm really thinking Naito is going to win this Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, that's uh, you know a growing program there, picking up a, a lot of heat with it. I know it's one that you've got me turned on to. It's something I've been watching. Uh, I guess no pun intended, something that everyone should be keeping their eye open for. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ring of Honor and Bound by Honor. Wanted to run down the cards here for both Friday night and Saturday night. Of course, Saturday night will be airing on Honor Club, and there's a couple of matches on here that I think we may want to pay pretty close attention to, and then we're going to tease a little bit of an interview coming up in a special edition here, which has actually gotten even more sweet over the course of this day. Uh, let, let's start with Friday night. Uh, th this match intrigues me greatly. The champion, Dalton Castle, will be taking on Flip Gordon in a non-title proving ground match. Now, I did see earlier today, breaking news, Flip Gordon still not all in. Could this be how Flip actually gets on the all-in show? 
Wow. I mean, that would be a major win for him. I mean, I'm kind of looking at this thinking this is one of those times where, you know, the upstart falls short. Uh, this is something I would really love to see, actually. I would love to see this match. I would really like to see this match. This Friday show is really good. And I guess, I guess real quick for, you know, maybe some of our listeners that aren't familiar with the proving ground matches themselves, uh, what it is, it's an opportunity for an up and comer to challenge a champion, uh, obviously non title stipulation, but if they do pick up the win that entitles them to a future shot. Wouldn't it be interesting if flip Gordon won this match and then Marty Skrull won the ring of honor championship. Wouldn't that lead to an interesting? Well, I, you know, I was going to ask you too. I mean, what kind of drama could that create between Flip and Marty? Uh, just even beforehand, knowing that Flip is entitled to an opportunity, you know, when is he going to to want to cash in that opportunity? And could that affect with what Marty has going on? It very much could. It very much could. It's it's interesting how Ring of Honor tends to spin these could, little webs. Could you see? You know, now that. Bullet Club is showing a little more, or certain members are showing more, a little more leniency towards Flip. Uh, maybe does Marty get involved here and, and help Flip win? And then you finally get Marty's acceptance of Flip, very similar to how we got Hangman's acceptance of Flip at the last Big Honor Club show. And uh, once again, though, is that all a big work being orchestrated by Cody to get you know his two closest generals? to kind of be able to manipulate flip a little bit. A wise man once told me you never can always sometimes tell. Let's talk about your boy, Cody. He's going to be taking on our friend punishment Martinez Friday night. I have a feeling this is going to be uh, quite the physical match as well. And it very much seems like we are elevating punishment to that main event level. Now they have really been teaming him up with some main event talents to be putting on some matches here. You see punishment entering into that world title picture, regardless of who comes out on top, Dalton castle or Marty Skrull. Well, I think, you know what we've been talking about. It's just a matter of time before he moves back into that conversation. Uh, as always, you know, he is one of the most agile big men in the business kind of reinventing, you know, what we think of when we think of men, his size he can completely go out there and work the dot, dot, dive. He can work the power. He's got that superstar look about him. Hey, he, he's he been there. He kind of had a little taste. They pulled it back, and you got to think he's, he's just waiting for that next opportunity. After that big win over Tomohiro Ishii, I think it's time. I think it's time. Uh, on this week's episode of Ring of Honor, uh, which obviously you haven't had an opportunity to see yet, but we did have a very interesting backstage vignette with Cody and Brandy. And it seems as though Cody is finally ready to come back after his championship. I was wondering how long that was going to take. Well, I mean, you talk about some, t- some interesting timing here, you know, as we were just going back, talking about, you know, flips, getting his proving ground match. Obviously Marty is already in the title picture. Yeah, if Marty wins this championship and you have Flip and Cody coming after the championship, raises some very interesting possibilities. Well, it, 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 just outside of the, the Bullet Club dynamic, uh, if they're all chasing Dalton, that's going to yeah. make for some interesting television. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. Uh, Scorpio Sky taking on Jay Lethal. I would absolutely love to see that freaking match, even though there's not a whole lot of creative to it. Then we have the kingdom taking on the hung bucks. 
The Hung Bucks getting back together at least one night only to take on the uh, ROH six-man champions who aren't really the ROH six-man champions, but they're running around with the titles. Uh, I'd say we can call them the, uh, the, the Ring of Honor six-man championships and holding. And then you also have the current ROH six-man champions on this show, as I just had mentioned, Scorpio Sky taking on Jay Lethal. And then you also have the Dogs taking on Coast to Coast, taking on Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, taking on Silas Young and the Beer City Bruiser. What is the chances that SoCal Uncensored get involved here and come after the titles that they rightfully own? I really wish we were seeing the Friday show. Wow. Are they all on the, the Saturday as well? Well, yeah, but why wouldn't they do that the first night? Well, I mean, why wouldn't they have done that? You know, at any point, you know, like the last time that we had a show on Honor Club, there was no interaction between them. And you actually had the kingdom walking around ring with, with those belts. With the titles. It's just one of those things that inside the ROH narrative, it's like, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, then you also have the ROH Tag Team Champions, the Briscoes, taking on the Motor City Machine Guns. Rick, what do you think? Are the Machine Guns going to get one back up on the Briscoes here, or are the Briscoes just going to murder the Machine Guns again? Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Man, I am perfectly okay. I know the Machine Guns are some of the, the greatest athletes in professional wrestling. People really enjoy their work. Right now, I am okay with the Briscoes just murdering people. And I, I will be okay if they just continue that here and just have their way with, with Shelly and Sable. It's going to be interesting. Then we also have our boy Shane Taylor taking on Josh, the goods woods. Uh, Rick, I, I, I pulled a little bit of a fast one here today. We had already set up an interview with Mr. Woods that we are going to be recording tomorrow and that will be dropping across all of our platforms. But I thought, you know, if we're going to have Mr. Woods on the show, Maybe I should reach out to our boy, the notorious Shane Taylor, and get his thoughts going into the match as well. So we will have both individuals on the show. I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, you know, my Ohio brethren, Shane Taylor, man, I've always been a big fan of his, but definitely, you know, after, after we were able to have that conversation with him, fully behind him, great talent, sky is the limit. And I think this, is, this could be, and this could be a, just a knockdown drag out fight between him and woods here absolutely i've been watching a lot of video of josh the goods woods this guy man he has a great look he has a legit background that you're going to hear all about this guy is a former ncaa champion he's a former all-american he spent some time inside of nxt of course he won the top prospect tournament last year the sky is the limit for this kid and he's really young He's really young. He also has a match on uh, ROH TV this weekend as Josh Woods takes on Chucky e. T. One more match from Friday night that I wanted to talk about here, and that is Deanna Perrazzo taking on Miss Kelly Klein. You know, so disappointed that we're not going to get to see this on Honor Club. This was one of the matches I was really looking forward to over the weekend. They did. I thought, you know, the ladies went out, did their absolute best. Uh, to kind of just, I guess maybe it was their like little send home to really set up this match here. 
in Florida on uh, the Masters of the Craft. This, this is a this is a blood feud between these two. This is something that they should have moved to Saturday and put this on the featured card. Yeah. That that show Friday night is stacked. I would love to see that show. But the show that we will be seeing is Saturday. And that is going to feature the ROH champions taking on Bullet Club. Well, now we know who the Bullet Club members are going to be. So it's going to be the ROH champion, Dalton Castle, the TV champion, Silas Young, and whoever the tag team champions are, I assume it will still be the Briscoes taking on Cody, Marty, and the Young Bucks. That's a very interesting dynamic inside of the Bullet Club team. The question is, is Bullet Club fine? I think, you know, there's a lot to get stories that could unfold here as we were looking at the potential between the upcoming Ring of Honor world title picture. You know, is that going to come into play here? I know there's going to be a lot of attention on Bullet Club, though, but you look at the dynamic from just the Ring of Honor champions, some very diverse characters here. Yeah, yeah I how can't are, see that these guys all getting along. Can you imagine saying, Dalton Castle on a team with Jay Briscoe? But I mean, how are they going to exist together? And, you know, Silas Young, you know, he plays by his own rules as well. Yeah. And then, of course, there's also always the entourage. You're going to have, you know, the boys out there. I, I, that was what just came up. I was going to ask you, do you see some kind of interaction between the Briscoes and the boys? Oh, see, I was thinking more so the bruiser and the boys. Because all three of them should be ringside. Oh, I could just, I mean, you were just talking about how drastic characters are. I mean, if, if you've got the Briscoes to the far right, I don't think you can go any more to your left than, and I'm not talking politics wise, just in comparison to the difference to the left than, than the boys. And then, of course, there's Bernard the Business Bear. Wow, this, this one is going to be a circus. The outside dynamic of what's going to be going on is almost as if not more intriguing than what's going to be happening inside the ring. It is just going to be ridiculous. I'm sure. Then we also have our boy punishment Martinez taking on hangman page. That's a match. I cannot wait to see very much looking forward to that. Certainly looking forward to that one. That's going to be fun. That is going to offer this. That's going to offer a little bit for everybody. Yeah, it, it, there's going to be some flying. There's going to be some physicality. I'm, I just hope neither one of them gets seriously hurt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Then we have Coast to Coast taking on the Motor City Machine Guns, which is going to be a dot 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 dive spot fest. I'm sure. Well, that and then that would kind of be open if somehow the Machine Guns would capture the titles. The, I, guess, I assume the Briscoes would be slid into that. I assume. I assume. Uh, I'm going to skip the next one. Then, then let's go on to uh, the kingdom. This will be uh, TKO and Vinny taking on Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian from SoCal Uncensored. Of course, this very well may be where SoCal reclaims their belts. Then you have a big four-man match. Our boy Shane Taylor taking on Matt Taven, the Beer City Bruiser, and Kenny King in a fatal four-way, which... Should be an entertaining match, although I don't believe there's any stakes to it. And then you also have Flip Gordon taking on Scorpio Sky, which kind of advances that storyline going back to Supercard of Honor and the ladder match. Probably the most interesting undercard 
match on this show is going to be Josh the Goods Woods taking on Jay Lethal. Very similar to that Jonathan Gresham match, I think this thing is just going to be a technical in-ring clinic. Yeah, you know, that's what Lethal is doing right now. You know, he's going out, he's working with some of these young, great technical wrestlers, and they are just stealing the show each and every time out. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to get Mr. Woods, you know, thoughts on his match against Shane Taylor, but even more so this match right right here. And how do you prepare for both of those matches on back-to-back nights? Uh, You cannot talk about two more opposite styles than Shane Taylor and Jay Lethal. Well, I I think he he somewhat comes prepared as you ran down his resume. He's got a very diverse background. You know, looking looking at his expertise, if there's anyone that could be ready— it might be Mr. Woods. And it's very much like Daniel Bryan said about Big Cass. Everybody's the same size when they're tapping out. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. I am in the locker room with Jargo and RBV. Avert your eyes and don't wait outside the locker room for me. So, Rick, let's talk a little bit about Impact Redemption. We haven't had uh, much of a chance to talk about this show, and and there's not necessarily a whole lot to review here because, let's face it, there's a lot of other Impact Review shows, some of which we're pretty good friends with those guys. I was was just going to say, you know, we're going to do a quick rundown here to, uh, I guess, wet the whistle, Uh, but if... if if you want your, your complete appetite satisfied to make sure that you head on over to hackerhameen.podbean.com and check out the impact attack with uh, Big Ray Hernandez and Ben Hameen. Well, I'm, I'm more so going somewhere else with this conversation. It's just that it all kind of goes back to redemption. Uh, so, so let's kind of run down the card here. You had Aerostar defeating Drago, which was a very fun match, although it's very awkward for me to see these two guys wrestle anywhere but inside of the temple on Lucha Underground. It's just a very odd dynamic for me. Then you had Eli Drake and Scott Steiner defeating LAX for the Impact Tag Team Championships. That was one of the more baffling matches on the show to me. I was talking with our boy Big Ray Hernandez, and I was like, bro, are you a Scott Steiner guy? And he's like, hell fucking yes, I am. And I think it all came, especially after the, uh, the the teleconference that he got to join in on. I just, I can't get into Scott Steiner at the age of, what, 55? The guy can barely move. He did nail a top rope Frankensteiner inside this match. But I mean, he seemed almost more comfortable doing that than he does like bending over to actually get into the ring. I'm just... Well, this, this goes back to what works in professional wrestling. You don't have to have the dot, dot, dive everywhere. If you have a strong enough character, character overall stands tall in this business, and that's what Scott Steiner is. And it's not even so much that he is playing a character. He's just betraying who he is times 10. Yeah, more so than this tag match, there was a, a, a brief backstage segment with Petey Williams, and Scott Steiner walks in on it, and Scott Steiner starts asking Petey, how's your wife, and all this other kind of shit absolutely ridiculous that to me was better than the tag match and i just i don't understand taking the titles off of lax 
That, that just makes no sense to me. I understand Conan has evidently been kidnapped and they don't know where he is and they were screwing up stuff inside of the match because Conan wasn't there. I just don't understand taking the titles off of LAX at this point. Then you have Brian Cage demeaning Desmond Xavier, DJZ, uh, Del Fantasma, Taja Ishimori, and Trevor Lee. If you're into car crash matches, I mean, the X division is for you. And this match absolutely did not disappoint. Brian Cage, just a freaking monster. I am so high on Brian Cage. I was going to say, he just he just completely dominates in this outing here. Uh, you pretty much summed it up better. I mean, if you're into car crashes, then that's, the X division is made for you. Yep. Taya Valkyrie defeats Kira Hogan. Matt Seidel defeats PD Williams to retain the X Division Championship. Wanted to talk about this one with you. OVE defeats Eddie Edwards, Moose, and Tommy Dreamer in a House of Hardcore match. But the match itself, completely irrelevant. This was all about the post-match angle. Oh, yeah. I mean, just going forward, they just keep evolving this thing, taking it to the next level. And I'll tell you what, it's I kind of I can't believe I did this to myself. You know, I try to stay away from these things at any cost, but I accidentally started reading spoilers. Oh, no. You spoiled this program for yourself. Yes. And I, I was kind of just I was kind of looking at the television uh, as I'm reading, so I'm still processing what I've got going on, but I don't really realize it. And before I was so deep into the damn spoiler that I realized that I ruined this going forward. I'm not going to stooch anything off except for this is going to get good. I, this thing is already good, man. This match is the reason I watched this show. I, this program, Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards. And I cannot believe I am invested in an Eddie Edwards story. Cause I've never been an Eddie Edwards guy. How high are you on Eddie Edwards? You know what? I, I've always, I've always taken to him. I was like, you know, I've out of the tag team. He was the one that I preferred. I thought he was much better off there in that direction, but there was always something about him that I, that I connected with. And now that he's got a hot program, he's really showing his skill set here. Uh, this thing is beyond hot. Allie defeats Sue Young to retain the Knockouts Championship. I didn't really understand that one whatsoever. Uh, I will say, though, with this entire Knockouts division, this is a hot division once again. They've got a lot going on, a lot of people involved, and a lot of great characters. Yeah, completely agreed. I just I didn't understand beating Sue Young here. I, if you're going to just throw her into a title match, then put the title on her for crying out loud. Well, I think there was other things on the show that maybe that didn't make the most sense for him. Uh, But again, stay tuned. This thing gets hot. Then, of course, we have Pentagon Jr. defeating Austin Aries and Phoenix. I think this this one like shocked the world. Well, and here is the thing that really sparks my interest. Pentagon Jr., not Penta El Cerro Medo, not Penta OM, not any of the other numerous names that Penta has went by over the course of the last year and a half. Pentagon Jr. defeats Austin Aries and Ray Phoenix. 
Now, here is the thing about the name Pentagon Jr. Pentagon Jr. is owned by AAA. The trademark is owned by AAA. And the reason that Penta had to change his name is because AAA had people inside of the Mexican Copyright Office who was copywriting every name that Penta could possibly come up with so that Penta couldn't work on the indie scene. Now, we know Penta has kind of worked things out with AAA, but here is the thing. When Pentagon was working for Lucha Underground, he was allowed to be called Pentagon Jr. When Penta was working for AAA, he was allowed to be called Pentagon Jr. He was not allowed to be called Pentagon Jr. in any company that was not owned by AAA. And now I'm reading rumors that Dorian is trying to buy Impact Wrestling from Anthem. What do you make of this thing, Rick? Is uh, AAA actually uh, breaking into the uh, more North American market? Or is this all nothing? You know, that rumor is out there. I went straight to a great impact source. Once again, uh, we brought him up here a couple times on the show this afternoon. Big Ray Hernandez. He has he has been down with TNA from day one. He has been covering through various uh, various re- wrestling reporting outlets on them from day one. If there's anyone that's going to know more about this, uh, it might be Ryan K. Bowman. So I also reached out to him. They both are remaining very tight-lipped, but Ray has told me that they are going to have some major breaking news uh, about your very question here. What is up with the ownership of Impact Wrestling? They're going to have some major breaking news coming up on this Saturday's edition of the Impact Attack with Big Ray and Ben. In addition to that, Ryan has said that within the next couple days, maybe a week or so, uh, the Gorilla Position is going to also be breaking some more news uh, about all that's developing here. So we're, we're going to get it straight from the source. Here's the other thing fueling this rumor right now. Um, I know you don't watch a whole lot of Lucha Libre, but AAA just had an invasion into AAA the other night, that being uh, Juventud Guerrera and Teddy Hart and Killer Cross, collectively known as MAD. Now, the thing that is important here is there are two other members of MAD, one of which has been advertised as returning to the company, and his name is Conan. Conan is returning to AAA. I actually did pick up on that story. I actually read through uh, the article about it, but I, I didn't put connect the dots like you are here. Man, that, that does add a, another layer of suspense to this situation. Of course, the other member of MAD, and I feel like this is a whole another three-hour podcast just to recap and discuss what the fuck is going on here. Her name is Sexy Star. Could Sexy Star be making her return? to triple a the the plot thickens yes sir very interesting stuff we don't talk a whole lot of impact wrestling on this show but when you start getting into the uh dorian and triple a impact wrestling you have my attention you have my attention So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show, but don't you fret, Rick and I will be back in your ear holes over the course of the weekend with our boys Shane Taylor 
and Josh, The Goods Woods. That'll be coming out across all of our platforms. Of course, thegorillaposition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers, as well as Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. You can find this show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does Josh The Goods Woods find you if he has any inclination to do so well as you know as everyone knows i am going to be on my very best behavior so i don't think there is any reason he will be looking for me there, there will be absolutely uh, no beef no pun intended uh but all those anyone else out there would like to follow me on social media you can find me at the real rbv uh then i would also like to an extent a warm welcome to everyone to join us over nahami media discussion group on facebook uh we're getting ready to kick off season three yes that is right we are entering our third big season of the pick'em challenge we're getting that thing going with the greatest royal rumble ever essentially what it is you're picking the matches. You're ranking how confident you are in your selections. You are testing your great wrestling mind against uh, 50, 60 other great wrestling minds to see how you stack up. It is a lot of fun. It is a game that runs throughout the entire year. So make sure you're checking this out over in the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, in addition to the to the Pick'em Challenge on Friday, I will be live in the group with the Greatest Royal Rambler Show preview, and that will be followed up by our live discussion thread. So I hope to... Uh, to to hear from everyone there. Of course, don't miss. This is a can't miss episode too, because this one's going to be fun. Do not miss the Monday locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com because one of us is going to be right and one of us is going to be wrong. This show is either going to be really, really good and Rick's going to be like, see, I've been telling you for weeks, you should have watched this show. But more than likely, I'm going to be telling Rick, see, I told you it was nothing more than a fucking house show. Yeah, because because they dedicate all that house show time. We know when they got that show that you go, you go to in Davenport, it gets about an, you know 45 minutes of promo time for the week. You're, you're exactly right. It's a house show. Be sure to join us Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Wait.
Yeah. <laughs> 